Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren, and thank you, dear listener, for joining us again for another edition of The Coaching Show. Here each and every week, bringing you people that you need to know about, people out on the cutting edge of coaching, people doing something interesting or just plain information. Um, I'm here in studio with our, uh, you've become a fixture here, a fixture, our in-studio guest co-host. I don't even know if we can call you a guest anymore. You've I mean, I in. was here when you weren't twice. <laughs> true, <laughs> true. Uh, that is the dulcet tones of Alex Terranova. Alex is a coach. Tell me about uh, your your the dreammason.com. <laughs> I became a coach five years ago, which I'm realizing is uh, a pretty. It says something. I'm like, I'm not a. It's not my first day anymore. That's right. It's my first day on the job. Um, I started five years ago. I'm, I have a great, successful practice. I'm moving from just the individual to into the corporate space, giving more talks and workshops and working with bigger groups. And published a book last year with Accomplishment Media. That would be fictional authenticity. You can find that wherever books are sold, as long as it's Amazon. And uh, you have your own podcast, The Dream Mason. Where do people find that? We have. We ha I'm about to have another one. So this is going to be. I will have three. So I have the Dream Mason podcast, which people can find on iTunes, on Spotify, at thedreammason.com. You can also find it on accomplishmentmedia.com. And I'm about to launch a new podcast called Flip the Lens with a former client and a former podcast guest who I found are, they are two of the most authentic people I've ever met. And we decided to collaborate and create a short kind of 20 minute like podcast where we talk about the topics people don't want to talk about heartbreak, vulnerability, sadness, you know, the up, but the ups and the downs and really get in there nice. as vulnerable as we can just to try to show people that it's normal and that it's okay to have conversations about it. And I appreciate that it's shorter because I don't like too much vulnerability. You know, I like a little, <laughs> but not an hour. Uh, that's amazing. Okay. Flip the lens. We'll that, look for that. And, and you said a third? No, no. That So this is, so the three, this one, oh, mine. You're just so still a I'm, guest here. My voice is everywhere. <laughs> I, is. Like when I want people, I want it to be where you go to see a doctor for ringing in your ears. You're like, Alex is ringing in my ears. Everywhere I look, I hear his voice. Hashtag goals. Good to have goals, man. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Uh, you can find me wherever. Uh, you can find me on accomplishmentcoaching.com or co christophermcauliffe.com or right here. Just send an email to producer at thecoachingshow.com. I also want to let you know that I'm stealing something from our first guest, our only guest today. We've got an, an extraordinary guest for the entire hour. And that is that you can send a video or an audio clip of your question, if you have any questions, to producer at thecoachingshow.com, producer at thecoachingshow.com, and we'll play your, your uh, question live if you're, you know, don't use the F word too much. So um, again, a video or audio clip of any questions you have to producer at thecoachingshow.com. It's, uh, I just got back from vacation. I went, uh, we celebrated a friend of mine uh, beating cancer, so perfect for today's show perhaps because we'll talk about that kind of stuff, uh, health concerns. Um, and we went on whatever she wanted to do, which was a blues cruise we went on a cruise in not, not a sad cruise but a, but a <laughs> right. blues like music blues. and not with that little dog that solves crimes or, or, or finds clues um it's uh it, it was uh, here's what i want to say it was not there was not a lot of diversity everybody looked pretty much the same on this cruise uh there was some good music it was a good time you know but i kept looking around like wow this is homogeneity dis, uh, defined yeah um, it's, it, whenever I'm in that situation, I go, it, it, there's a, my ego has a, it's safe, but it's boring. Hmm. That's like where I go, oh, this is like, it's, I could fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that I didn't talk to anybody cause I don't, didn't know I'd be able to tell if I saw them again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't know. All right. Uh, it's also conference season. So if you have not applied to speak for your conferences, now is, there's a few more left. Uh, the ICF, of course, had their Converge Global Conference last year. So that means they won't have it again for another year. That means this year is regional conference time. So check out the Midwest Regional Conference or the local ICF chapters near you. Also, some areas, they have uh, non-ICF conferences. There's the Conversation among masters, conversation singular, among masters, plural, uh, 
um, conference coming up in May in Dallas, and it's in Dallas because Harville Hendricks is one of the speakers, uh, one of the conversation starters this year. You can find out more by going to conversation, singular, among masters, plural, dot com. And uh, I think there's still a few seats. It's limited to, I think, 200 or 250 people. It's all in one room. You have the conversation together. It's really an extraordinary experience. Also, I'll be going to the Association of Coach Training Organizations conference, which is in beautiful Arlington, Virginia, I think, or Alexandria, um, this year in June. Any conferences you're going to? I'm going to the Midwest Regional Conference. It's in Milwaukee. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Harville Hendricks is a big, I mean, I've heard that He's name since deal, I was yeah. a little kid. Like, my mom would talk about him as a as a She's a therapist. So fondly? I'm, yeah. I mean, I not that fondly. That oh, okay. You know, my parents are still together. It's so not that wow. fondly. But um, yeah, I actually, the fact that you said that, I'm going to go after this episode and look for tickets. Cool. I may have, yeah. a, I may have one for you. All right. Um, also, uh, what else did Oh, I'm speaking at the European <laughs> Mentor and Coaches Conference, the European Mentors, Coaches, and Consultants Conference, it might be, in Paris in June. That's right. Paris. I dropped something. Pick it right up. Uh, okay, so if you want to see me in the live, that's where I'll be. Anything else that we need to talk about before we get to our extraordinary, delightful guest? I should just throw in, because we're going to be talking about food and health, mm-hmm. that I am a vegan for almost 60 days now. Oh, that's right. And you've so been chronicling it. I've been chronicling it. And it is. And as I listened to our guest podcast, a lot of stuff that they were talking about came up for me about the, the my relationship to food and the habits of eating and whatnot. So some cool stuff that we might be able to dig into there yeah now uh, our our guest is an extraordinary man and, and a doctor and an educator an active clinician as well as a teacher he's also uh, he came to our attention with uh his latest podcast venture which is on npr through wbur it's food we need to talk uh which chronicles um a lot of different areas uh, you know it sort of started off with this uh one woman's Juna's gupta's uh journey around food, and uh, she brought in Dr. Edward Phillips to co-host this with her, but he's also uh, noted for another WBUR podcast called Magic Pill, which was a daily exercise podcast, a 21-day sort of program of exercise. Dr. Phillips is an assistant professor of physical medicine and rehabilitation at Harvard Medical School. That means he's a physiatrist, and he trains others in uh, physical med and rehab. He's also the founder and director of the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine at Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital. You can find out more about their extraordinary work by going to Institute of Lifestyle Medicine dot org he's uh does cmes through the harvard medical school with over 20,000 clinicians from 115 countries to date he was also formerly the chief of physical med and rehab uh, chief physiatrist if you will uh and is now the whole health medical director at va boston healthcare system he's an extraordinary uh person there are there are books there's organize your emotions optimize your life there are all sorts of other things as well as being on the advisory board of the american college of lifestyle medicine and more uh we don't have time to give all of his <laughs> credentials but hopefully we've established some credibility for our delightful guest dr edward phillips hello sir Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for uh, being had, as we like to say. And are you in your <laughs> palatial mansion in uh, Boston currently, or are you somewhere else in the world? I'm, I'm in my office at VA Boston Healthcare System, looking at the Charles River through the window, and I'm on my bike desk. And I've already done two miles just through the intro, so if I'm a little out of breath, it's because I'm excited bike. about the subject and I'm climbing a hill or something. Damn it, man. Bike desk. I have a treadmill desk and you trumped me right here. Damn it. I'm like, there's going to be a new purchase like this week. Thanks for that. (laughs) All right. We're delighted to have you uh, with us. I got to say that you came to our attention, to my attention anyway, through Food We Need to Talk, the podcast. And I I love it. I love particularly my my favorite are the bonus episodes where you do Q&A, as I sort of alluded to earlier. But um uh, most recently, one of the things you talked about, and, and Alex and I were talking about this this morning, is eating disorders and disordered eating. I'd love for you to uh, make that distinction or sort of, I know it's not your area of specialty, but it was so enlightening for me and I think would be for our listeners. So just to jump right into that, and that's the most recent episode, the uh, eating disorders is a, cl- a category of formal diagnosable problems like bulimia, binge eating, uh, anorexia, and others um, that affect a a few percent of the population. Um, But we live in a society that encourages disordered eating. And if you look at people that don't meet the formal criteria as are laid out, but have some aspects of them, like they're, they're troubled by their eating or they're 
they're doing a little restricting, but not enough to make uh, uh, certain criteria. We call that disordered eating, and that's a much larger portion of the population. The, what we quote on the show is something like 14 to 22 percent it's, of the population has experienced disordered eating, but not a formal diagnosis. Right, one in five-ish, clear. Yeah. And um, well, it, it strikes me that this is a, you know, I was particularly listening to this notion of people who, who under the guise of health or under the guise of sort of trying to manage themselves, eat in unusual fashions. I think that as coaches, we run into this a ton. I know that, you know, often my clients as a secondary or tertiary uh priority or goal have that they want to get in better shape or lose weight or something like that. As we know, um, a lot of the, you know, masters of the universe and captains of industry in our world are sacrificing their well-being to get to some level of success. What's the, is there a place to start with sort of lay people, coaches addressing this with their clients? Is there a place to sort of invite people to look at their own eating or relationship with food as a, as a starting place? So I think what you're you're getting at there in terms of the people that are like certainly conscious about what they're eating, as we all should be. We we talk a lot about mindfulness, but when the, the mindfulness gets into the point of what's now being diagnosed as orthorexia, ortho means straight, rexia referring to uh, food intake. Uh, that's where sort of clean eating, which is lovely, and we should all eat cleanly, eat real food. Um, mm-hmm. But when that gets to the point where you're spending too much time and re- kind of starting to restrict, we, we get into a category of what's called orthorexia. So um, it's not reached the uh, formal diagnosable stage for an illness, but it's certainly on the horizon. And as coaches, you guys are probably seeing a lot of that, uh, folks that are trying to make all sorts of changes. And maybe they start to go over the line a little bit where it's it's taking over their life. That That's what's to watch out for. Dr. Phillips, how do we have any idea what how it's supposed to be? Like, what's the normal? You know, nobody we don't wake up. Most of our parents have dealt with similar things like this. How do we actually know how we sh- what our relationship to food and eating should be? So uh, first off, just just um, I. If you're comfortable with this, please call me Eddie. Sure. Um, and um, second, um, it, to answer the question, um, we should have a healthy relationship with food so that we look at it as something that we're looking forward to. It doesn't put us into a jumble of, oh, my God, can I eat this? Should I not eat this? When did I last eat? Uh, do I have to measure something? Um, is it something that I want to eat? Is it something that I feel is going to nourish me? And the nourishment can be very broad. There's obviously the number of calories and how healthy the food is. But is it something that you just need? Um, uh, As I have on the podcast, um, a little uh, coffee ice cream in the evening for me, I find very nourishing. Um, Not not to excess, uh, but I look forward. I enjoy it. Um, So if I'm answering your question, um, it should be something that's a positive part of our lives. Food can be joyous. It's a great way to get together. It's a great way to uh, expand our skill set in terms of, like, I'm learning how to cook um, as as a, a, a piece of the podcast, uh, sort of my development. So it should be something that you look forward to and, and is is enriching your life, not as a, uh, you know, a, a place of worry and, and fear. Now, I I do not, I truly do not want to make our whole show about this, but I just feel like it's super important. So there are a couple things, a couple more things I want to touch on around food. The first thing is what what we do as coaches. So me, I've been a coach for 27 years, something like that. And um, one of the things I do with my, you know, mostly executive clients is I talk about take what's their number one food crime and are they willing for this week, seven days, to not pursue that, to not act, engage in that crime, whatever they define as their food crime? And what's one thing that they would replace it with, or what is the one thing they think they should, ought, or could have more of? You know, and often it's a dessert, and often mm-hmm. the replacement is a piece of fruit or water or chewing gum or something like that. What, um, what about you, Alex, five years in? What do you, when people talk about their food stuff, what are you doing? 
I don't I don't get as much like specific food. I get the overall uh, people don't take care of themselves, whether it be mm-hmm. like sleep, food. Right. They're sleep throwing goes. something out, mm-hmm. exercise maybe. What I look for is like what happens when they're – what's the thing that – is what's the tipping point? Is it like stress? Does it then become food or exercise? And then I love how you said food crime. I've never thought – because you could apply that to any what's you your can exercise use that. crime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, Relationship crime. You I, have a lot. <laughs> I, you know, for me, I'm not a big fan of the, the making up these rules like no French fries for a week because mm-hmm. I've just always seen it. It goes – it becomes like way. a disaster, yeah. Versus, hey, what's the lifestyle you want to live? How do you want to think of what's your relationship to food you want? And then I think we get to a cool place where people say, oh, I want food to be an adventure. Or I want food to be nourishing. And then try to let them create from there. Beautiful. Well, yeah, I like it. Uh, Doc, and I'm, forgive me, Eddie, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Edward Phillips, do you... Um, when you hear our sort of lay approaches, how does that bounce off of you as a as a trained physician, as somebody who's responsible for whole health of our you know nation's veterans as well as a whole lot more people? So one one of the things that I'm hearing, or I'll, I'll interpret as I hear it, is uh, not so much to uh, tell someone, oh, you should maybe consider restricting for a week. Um, I probably wouldn't use a word like food crime. However, what I've learned from my coaching colleagues is I'll introduce the idea of like a curiosity, mm-hmm. like, okay, if you're willing, you know, it has to align with the, with the client, with the patient. Um, you know, what if over the next week you chose to, um, and they fill in the blank and they say, give up French fries, eat, you know, drink more water, get extra sleep. It's, it's never just food. Mm-hmm. And then why don't we recheck and you tell me how you're doing and is, is life as horrible as you thought it would be without French fries? Um, if so, go eat the French fries um, because mm-hmm. we're not looking to torture you. So what, what, I guess what I've learned is the is, is the the idea of the experiment. No one will turn down an experiment. Nice, mm. I like that. I should I should also tell you before we leave this uh, this whole notion of food. I sat next to uh, someone on a plane because that happens, and uh, this woman was rail thin, you know, with my eye, I, I thought there might be a problem, but I don't know. And, and she's clearly somebody on Instagram because she spent the entire six and a half hour flight looking at pictures of herself on Instagram and responding to people's uh, comments. Now ask me how I know that because I'm a nosy Parker. But the the point is, um, I, I was somehow kind of interested in her relationship with food when the food came. And she ordered everything, including the, you know, fancy hot fudge Sunday dessert. Uh, and had one bite, literally one bite of the of the protein, one bite of the side pasta, one bite of the vegetable, and one bite of the, and that was it. To me, this is what we're talking about, like a disordered eating. It may even be mm-hmm. evidence of an eating disorder. Is when you hear that, it sounds mindful, it sounds conscious, but it does it seem problematic versus when, for example, Alex talks about it being on day sixty of a vegan diet. Um, it's really hard to judge just looking at even the six hours that you, you spent with her. However, I think your intuition is, is probably correct. Um, and I, 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 I think we're, we're, we're dancing on the, the line between when mindfulness becomes yeah. um, more obsessive and, and it kind of gets in the way of her health. Um, and if she's not having the second bite, even though she's hungry um, or... Or, or worse, you know, she's actually malnourished. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then you're into a problem, um, and we'd have to ask her a lot more questions and see where her head's at, and also where where she is health wise. Does so she have the energy um, and the nutrients that she needs to really sustain herself? You said something really interesting that just really landed over here, and what's been working really well is you called it an experiment before. And mm-hmm. when I decided it was Thanksgiving morning, I just, I don't know, I got some hit of intuition that was like, I need to be a vegan for a year and then I can decide after that what I do. But I've related to this since January 1st as I'm on a 366 day experiment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the difference between I'm 38 years old, I, uh, I spent tons of time in the gym. I've been through all sorts of different exercise food plans associated with working out and health and whatnot. And they always have minimal lasting time. 
They always fall short. I always end up cheating. It's always, there's always, even if I succeed, there's tons of torture. I'm suffering. And this experience has been the complete opposite. It's uh, almost 60 days. It has been a breeze. It's been fun. It's been playful. The food has been good. I've looked forward to eating. I haven't been obsessed about it. And the only real difference is it's been an experiment that I said is going <clears> to <throat> go on for, you know, I'm not trying to prove anything or see anything. Just try to see how I feel if this way of living and eating works for me. Is it, it, so it's not, so what I, what I love about your re- reporting of it. So first off, a long-term experiment, like in, in medical circles, uh, a year long uh, change is going to be much stronger literature than, uh, you know, we, we had uh, people for 14 days give up uh, animal right. products. Right. So I like the idea that it's long-term. It also, you've set yourself up so you're not going to fail at it. Um, if you said I'm vegan for life, and at some point, um, you you know just went went for the burger, then you've you sort of you failed. Whereas this is just you know we're, you can count down the days. You only have three hundred and four days left, or whatever, whatever the math is. Um, so um, I I think you've set yourself up for success. Um, and even if you do slip in a burger along the way, just uh, take note of it and put it in the lab notebook. <laughs> How did it make you feel? And do you really miss it? Or you're ready to get back to something that's uh, plant-based? Great. Well, we've we've only touched upon some of your expertise, and I appreciate you so much going through this um, uh, little adventure with us. Let's talk about I, – I, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't talk about your work with the VA. You have seen humans come back from war or, or stationed – uh, around the world in all sorts of different situations. Um, do you have a, a political stance or statement with regard to the Veterans Administration, or is it healthier for you to not have something like that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll share. I'll, I'll share my my journey with the VA. Um, the uh, so a couple of things. Uh, I'm going on uh, my fifth year here. Um, I'm in the minority of the uh, people that choose to work here in that, A, I'm not a veteran, mm. and B, I'm not related to a veteran. So yeah. two-thirds of the folks here are either veterans or uh, they're married to uh, daughters of, uh, wife of, husband to uh, veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, of all the places I've worked over my now lengthening career, it's uh, probably the most mission-oriented place I've worked. People choose to work here. Um, they choose to serve those who served. That's uh, one of the, the mottos. Um, I, I've not found a more um, gracious and um, accepting population of, uh, of, of patients who really appreciate all that's uh, done for them. Mm. So in that regard, it's, it's a joy. The problems they come in with are like any patient I've seen over the past 30 years. So people are coming in with all the lifestyle Issues they are maybe more uh, uh, more of an impact on veterans the, the rates of, of uh, obesity and uh, overweight and diabetes etc are, are are very high. Um, the other thing that drew me here was the whole health program. Mm. So the VA is pretty much a closed system, meaning that we get so much money from um, the Congress, we've got our seven million vets to take care of and go do your best you can. So it's the the place that I believe is making the best strides in rolling out an enormous program nationwide to change and improve the health behaviors of the patients that we choose to serve. So that's what got me here. And that program is freely available because it's developed with government dollars um, and is uh, now being used outside of the VA. And where do we find this? Is this the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine, or is there something? No, if you if you go to Whole Health, that would be with a with a W. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mean, whole, I have the health, other kind of health, um, yeah. at WISC, like Wisconsin, W I C dot E D U. Um, the material was developed on a contract through uh, close collaborators at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, there's an enormous encyclopedia of of materials that give the evidence for everything from health coaching to uh, complementary integrative modalities that we provide from, if you want to find out whether Tai Chi actually helps with 
uh, back pain versus balance. Um, the evidence is all there um, and the, the trainings are available. So it's uh, wholehealth.wisc.edu. Uh, um, what's interesting is that the focus, and this is like, I think straight out of, uh, hopefully out of coaching 101, the focus is now shifting towards asking um, the veteran, asking the patient, what really matters to you? Why do you want your health? And 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 then we do a long therapeutic pause, uh, which won't go over well on a podcast, but I'm sitting there <laughs> for 5, 10, 20 seconds until the veteran starts, um, you know, uh, telling me that, oh, I, I want my health so I can take care, so I can throw the ball with my grandson. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I can't do that now, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's, it's hurting me. Now that they've identified why they want to make a change, it's much easier for me to call in the coaches and to use the skills that I've acquired to now suggest how they can get to their goal. Meaning that just telling them that they, they need to eat better, right. <laughs> exercise more, sleep better, that, that, that just doesn't work. But finding out why they want to make a change and then aligning it is where the magic happens. Nice. Uh, so you've seen some benefit from uh, incorporating coaching into wellness? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and uh, can, I, can I tell you just another quick story from, from a, a recent, um, you know, I, I run into uh, an individual who comes up to me and says, you're the lifestyle guy, right? You know, I, I heard you speak. And I, yeah, yeah. And, and the guy starts bouncing up and down in front of me. All I right. felt like, I felt like he was Tigger and I was like Christopher <laughs> Robbins talking to him. He literally starts bouncing up and down and gets very excited. And he said, I heard you speak before and now I'm bouncing. And I'm like, wow, uh, what does that mean? And he said, I have one of those little trampolines. I go on it 20 minutes every morning. <laughs> my legs are stronger. I'm losing weight. My, my, you know, all the benefits of exercise coming out. But what I learned from the coaches is uh, it's, it's, that's a lovely story. But like, what made you change? And then he, then he, all of a sudden he stops bouncing and he looks at me more seriously. He goes, it was my wife, my wife. And I think he's going to go on about my wife is like telling me, you right. know, mm -hmm. shape up or ship out. And, and then, but I, you know, he's, he's quiet now. So I lean in literally. And then he looks at me, he goes, she's sick. She's got Parkinson's. Oh. He said, and he, and he goes, it's all on me now, doc. I got to take care of her. I got to run the house. He says, I have 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes to get my head on straight, to get my exercise in to, and, and, and I choose to do it by bouncing. I'm like, my mouth is dry. And I'm looking at him. I said, my friend, I said, great. And, and if you asked me whether this guy's going to be bouncing in a year from now, unless his wife gets a lot better or a lot worse, or he goes on to, well, you know, something else he can do in 20 minutes. He has his why. And the, the, the changes are now easy. I mean, can you imagine me like going around telling everyone, go get a trampoline, <laughs> improve your health? Like what, what would the compliance be with that? Like, you know, not zero. Right. Point but he found, he found his why. Now, now the how is easy. Beautiful. Do you find that with um, some, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this because I'm thinking about my dad and the health problems he has, that it's people either have this why that like push them over the edge to, to get a trampoline and balance and take care of their mm -hmm. wife or, or their husband or whatever it is. Or what I've seen on the other side, which unfortunately my dad falls into is there's like a, well, I can't do anything about I'm, I'm this old and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. So this is just how it is. And there's a kind of a, like a, um, like a beaten into submission kind of just like you, you can give me a pill or I'm just going to like fall yeah. apart. Yeah. Resignation is a good word. So, you know, that, that's where um, I've got an advantage. I don't, I don't think this is just the province of physicians, but that's where I, I might slip into the expert role a little bit and, and explain, you know, um, the chance for you to make your muscles stronger by doing a little bit of resistance exercise, that is a lifelong attribute. There are studies of whatever age they are. If they're 72, I go of 82, 92, 102 of lifting weights and putting on muscle mass, improving their function, reducing their back pain, you know, whatever. And I sort of tailor it to wherever they are. Mm -hmm. I go, hey, it's only twice a week. And I've got a physical therapist who can guide you, you know, and then I introduce an experiment like, you know, would you, 
be up for trying something that's going to address, you know, and then I fill in whatever really bothers your dad. If he's in pain, resistance training can really help. Um, I've got folks, this is pretty routine for me, they come in because their knees hurt. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take an x-ray to know that they've got arthritis of their knees. And I uh, tell them as an expert, you know, even if you lost five pounds, there's a kind of a multiplier effect because of how we walk. That's like taking 30 pounds of pressure off your knee. And then I tell them about a, you know, a prior patient who lost 10 pounds and his knee pain is gone. And then I just lay it out there like, you know, are you, is this make sense to you? And very often the patient, if I'm patient enough with them, will write their own lifestyle prescription. You know, they'll say, so here's what I'm hearing, doc. If I just lost like five, 10 pounds, that's easy because the guy's carrying 280. Um, and I did these, this exercise with the, the therapist. My knee's going to hurt less, like sign me up. So I always introduce like the upside and, and, and how they're going to get a rather immediate response me measured in days and weeks. Beautiful. Let's talk briefly about uh, WBUR's Magic Pill, which was a daily podcast, I think, from Boston's NPR affiliate. It was awarded an Edward R. Murrow Award for Excellence and in Innovation in 2017. What's Isn't that cool? It's like an Emmy. It, it <laughs> is. The funny, the funny thing is that it's not my world. It's becoming my world, but that's it's, it's a big deal. And in 2016, podcasting was was a, 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 a small mm -hmm. You know, fraction of it of what it is now. I mean, like, look, Alex has got three podcasts already. Everyone yeah. in America will have their own podcast. It's true. Um, so, so it was it was a different time, but we were recognized for um, innovation. Yes, I talk about that in my podcast, the history of podcasts. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the <laughs> but so that's a big deal. And and as you said, it was your sort of first dipping your toe in the water. It's like your first role getting you an Academy Award. Let's talk about Magic Pill. The you it sounds like the Magic Pill is exercise. Correct. Yeah. So, so the, the show, uh, I'll give you the, 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 the quick background. My co-host on the show, Carrie Goldberg, who's the editor of the Common Health blog at WBUR. Um, I've known her for the last 10 years. And um, on a slow news day, she would, she would text me and say, Eddie, Eddie, give me a reason to exercise today. <laughs> <laughs> give me a reason to exercise. Like, I'm, I'm feeling sluggish and there's, there's no news and I want to put something out there. So I would just kind of quote the latest study on exercise and fill in the blank. You could just kind of dial in a resistance exercise helps with cognition and older, you know, whatever. So um, she proposed uh, a 21 day uh, effort to help people transform their attitude about exercise. So that was our, our objective. Um, listen to this. The, the talking part is only five, six minutes. And, you know, maybe we'll overcome an objection or two and might it increase the chances that you're going to be more physically active. So that was the, the background of the magic. Just extraordinary and still available wherever fine podcasts are available. Correct. Well, let's um, let's take a break. And uh, anything uh, before we go for you, I want to I want to send people to be able to find out more information about you, uh, Eddie. But what are where do we send them? Wholehealth.wisc.edu. We got. We've also got. Um, do you want them to go to the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine.org? Sure, they they would find out information about the trainings that we do uh, for clinicians mostly. CME. Uh, and there's also training for chef coaching, which we can talk about. Um, and, uh, the podcast is available wherever podcasts are available for the, the magic pill or a uh, food comma. We need to talk. Yes. Which is a really great podcast. One of the few podcasts. Do you listen to podcasts, Alex? I do. Of course. Yeah. You make podcasts and you I'm listen. I'm in both. Nice. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you so much. <laughs> we'll be back with more with Dr. Edward Phillips and Alex Terranova on today's edition of the coaching show. You're listening to us right here on accomplishment media or wherever fine podcasts are available. More after this.
Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Thank you very much. I, uh, my name is Christopher McAuliffe, and I am a Master Certified Coach here in studio with Alex Terranova. Are you a PCC yet? I'm not a PCC. I'm just going to talk about I know, your feelings. I know, I know you are. You're, yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, I just want you to know, uh-huh. I'm my why for a PCC is you. Because <laughs> no one, ever, in five years, no one's ever asked me. No. So now I'm like, it's just for Christopher. So he'll stop asking me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, whatever motivates you to do it. That's Alex Terranova. He's the host and founder of The Dream Mason. He's author of a book, Fictional Authenticity, and a coach, as you heard, for about five years. You can find out more by going to thedreammason.com and listen to his podcast, that, as well as his upcoming podcast, Flip the Lens, which will be a different format and a different topic. So you get to hear Alex here, there, and everywhere. We're continuing with our guest now, Dr. Edward Phillips. He's Assistant Professor of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Harvard Medical School, a physiatrist practicing himself. He's also founder and director of the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine at Spalding Rehab Hospital, which trains physicians around the world, including 20, having... Uh, done a suite of CME modules completed by over 20,000 clinicians from 115 countries. He's also, a recent, until recently, the Chief of Medi- Physical Medicine Rehab at Whole, at the VA Boston Healthcare System. Now he's the Whole Health, that's W-H-O-L-E, Whole Health <laughs> Medical Director at the VA Boston Healthcare System, working on a program that's uh, being released nationwide. We uh, first met him, as I've said, and his podcast, most recent podcast, is Food, We Need to Talk, uh, through WBUR uh, in Boston and the NPR affiliate and wherever fine podcasts are available. Also, a very valuable podcast, the WBUR's Magic Pill, which is a daily exercise podcast uh, from Boston's NPR affiliate. You are a graduate of SUNY Buffalo, are you not, sir? Yay, yes. Buffalo in the house. All right. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. We talked about a great many things. I want to um, um, uh, switch it up a little bit and talk about uh, – I've completely lost my train of thought. Can you help me? I, I don't about? know, we, we I don't know where you're going because I can't read your <laughs> mind. Whole, we, on the break, we were talking about you know, Navy SEALs, and that totally well, threw me. <laughs> we were also talking about location, and I'm actually curious about – if there's any correlation, you know, I know when I lived in New York City, people's relationship to food and health exercise was different than what I noticed it is on the West Coast. Um, How not, so? Well, I, what I noticed was there was more or what what I seemed to experience in was that in New York City, there was more of a, oh, we focus on it going in the spring into summer. And then we're all bundled up in the in the winter, so there's almost a more of like we eat heavier, denser foods, chilies, things that make us feel warm. We wrap up more. No one can see us. And on the West Coast, <laughs> especially in like California, I can't – the whole West Coast isn't the same temperature. There's more of a – you know, it's, it's pretty the same temperature all year round, and so people – 
you know, are exercising all year round. They're eating in a certain way all year round. I'm just curious. And it seems like may, that might be a thing like regionally. I wonder if people have different relationships to food and health. Is so that yeah. So there's two different factors I'd probably throw in there just based on the example or comparing um, San Diego to uh, New York or Boston. So the first one is that uh, humans tend to gain weight during the winter. They even look at people living more, um, uh, living lives um, out, you know, away from technology, um, if I could say that politely, where they, they'll gain weight during the winter. They sort of store that's natural and then they lose it during the summer when it's easier to move around. And um, so that happens. Americans tend to gain weight, but then we, <laughs> we don't do the losing part. Exactly. So we keep on gaining. So that's, that's sort of maybe universal. I don't know if it's different based on climates. Um, the other piece that comes to mind is that in a place like New York or Boston, which we like to say is a very walkable city, that people are tend to be yeah. much more physically active just getting around. So if you rely on public transportation, because why would you want to drive a car in New York or even Boston, uh, people tend to have appreciably higher compliance with physical activity guidelines, which mm -hmm. basically getting your your steps in each week. Right, um, if you live in a place where you use um, public transportation. One thing I love about San Diego, it's I think the only airport I know that you could land and actually walk out of the terminal onto a sidewalk <laughs> exactly. a couple of miles later, be in downtown. Exactly. Um, which I did just for kicks um, because I don't know anywhere else that you can do that. Don't um don't tell people about San Diego. We don't want people to come here. <laughs> I I've gathered myself and figured out what I wanted to talk about, which was I wanted okay. to bring up your book, uh, organ uh, one of two I think. Uh, organize your emotions, optimize your life, decode your emotional DNA, and thrive. This is Harvard Health from 2016. This is a coaching book, and it's a coaching book about emotions. What are you doing in this? <laughs> so first <laughs> off, let me let me let me get to my my. The, the, I'm a co-author on it. So yeah. the, the main author is Margaret Moore, right, who founded uh, Well Coaches, and you guys probably uh, know her well. I've been working with Margaret since we met back in 2004. And then we had a, a delightful uh, professional writer, uh, John Hance, um, who uh, made, makes us sound a lot better. Um, so what Margaret put together was looking at an internal family systems. These are all the, the sort of the different aspects of our personalities. We, we want to be creative. We want to be autonomous. We want to be, um, uh, uh, we, have, we have different sort of drives and there's like a boardroom in our brain as we kind of debate what to do next. Um, and what this book does is to help us kind of decipher the conversation. Like someone's got to run the Someone's got to run the conversation. You need a CEO there, and that's sort of the mindful self. Right. So a perfect so, example would be, uh, let's say, a new parent, a new mom, who's got this love. But the you know, he or she is a professional. They've got this beautiful new baby. They want to be home, and it's all about connection with the child. But their their law practice is calling them back. You know, and they also want to be autonomous. Like, how do you balance that kind of thing? In answer to your question, my role is on each and every chapter to fill in a uh, kind of a clinical vignette. Like, you know, what, what does this conversation mean to me about learning how to be mindful? Uh, what's, what's a patient example? What's a personal example? So nice. uh, I, think, I think we call it Dr. Eddie, you know, says, um, and I would put in kind of the vignettes of, from my, my life and my, my, my clinical work. Beautiful. Well, very, uh, very clearly a book I have not yet read, but I'm eager to. And we love uh, Margaret Moore. So thanks for doing the work with her. And thanks for being the great addition to that book. Um, I want to let people know that one of the things I'm noticing is every once in a while, I can hear your your labored breathing. And we want to let people know that while you're speaking to us, <laughs> fully as, as a, uh, a world-leading physiatrist might, you're actually doing some exercise. What are you doing? I'm on a, a bike desk, and I'm trying to just clock a few miles um, to uh, just so I'm not just sitting at a desk. And um, since we started, I'm at, at about six miles. I'm taking a break right now, so I'm <laughs> on the microphone miles. and uh, mess everything up. 
both both uh, Alex and I are just astounded. Six miles while while being interviewed. Yeah, I, I you know what's interesting is. And you, I know you do this, Christopher. You have a treadmill desk. I do, and I don't know if you use it with clients or I know you've it's got like, a lot I, of clothes I, on it. No, I'm I've been on I've been on calls with you where we're on video and you're using right. it. It looks like you're going very slow, but you're but you are it's using true. it. <laughs> I know that I you know when I know when I'm coaching, if I'm sitting in a chair and I have mm-hmm. a client, that stagnantness of sitting in the chair mm-hmm. starts showing up in in how I relate to the client. That I that my energy drops. I I start to kind of my mind starts to wander, but when I walk around, mm-hmm. whether it be pacing or just like, you know, around the office, the dynamic of the energy and the coaching sessions goes vastly different. And it, it just, it, it makes me think about, you know, you're on a bike, Christopher's on a treadmill, I'm pacing around. I want, and I don't know if you know anything about this, uh, is, is there actually a shift in our mind, in our physiology, in our mind that would have, you know, it, that would shift that? So, uh, so a couple of things. One of them is like pretty much anything but sitting is going to be preferred. Um, so, as an example, we're we're talking about doing podcasting. Um, when I'm recording with my with my co-host Yuna, we stand, and and in part because I, I was taught that your voice sounds better when you're standing, mm. and our energy is better because we're not we're not just kind of sitting there and kind of slumping into our into our seats. So I think any kind of um, movement helps. Um, I've got a colleague, a physician coach, um, uh, Dr. Beth Frades, who famously um, takes her clients for walks. And she also likes to walk really quickly, but that's how she conducts her her coaching sessions, Um, which is interesting. I mean, all sorts of things are accomplished. It it can improve your mood, um, uh, all sorts of other benefits we can get into from just not sitting. Good. The treadmill desk is great. Bike desk, um, pacing around. Excellent. Nice. All right. Um, let's talk about chef coaching for a moment. I, I know our time's coming to a close, but I want to get this in. It's something that you referred to. I literally have no idea what this is. What is <laughs> So, um, so in, um, my career as a teacher, one of the one of the more wonderful things I've done is a couple of times had the, the privilege of having a fellow, fellow refers to men and women, um, who uh, tr- would train uh, at the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine for a couple of years. Uh, one fellow, Dr. Ronnie Pollack, um, came over from Israel. Uh, this is back in 2013. He said, what should I learn? And we made up a list. And I said, you should become a coach. So he did coach training. And I said, he was already a chef. So he had that down. He learned about more about nutrition, et cetera. And then one day he turns to me and he said, what if I combined coaching competencies, all that's being developed in the world of coaching, along with culinary medicine? And culinary medicine is fancy talk for actually including cooking and our relationship with preparing and storing uh, 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 food. Um, what if I combine the two of them and actually... Um, taught other clinicians how to do it. And as a uh, the fellowship director, it was basically, you know, you're a little bit parental. And I'm uh, saying, sure, you know, whatever, whatever you want, Ronnie, you know, let's, let's work on it. So he dutifully over the last, uh, now my guy going out five uh, years, has done, written a series of articles showing that coaching our patients about food has a dramatic impact on what they eat and how they prepare it. Uh, He also has published articles uh, with colleagues explaining that any food that you cook at home is going to be better and healthier, and you're going to eat less of it than going out to order that food, going out to the, to the restaurants. So imagine, and this is, this is exactly what we're doing. uh, We've developed training that's done either in person, online, or uh, on demand now. Um, where clinicians can learn about how to apply coaching competencies with uh, information about how to guide patients to um, be more comfortable in the kitchen. And um, like the old ad, like I'm not just the hair club president. Um, <laughs> I'm, a member. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going through that process and learning how to cook. Before now, I was just a really good sous chef because my wife loves how to cook. But now I'm sort of taking 
on the the mantle of uh, preparing meals to be. <laughs> this is my experiment for the next year or so. You guys both have year long experiments. I got nothing. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, this where, is your chance. What do you What do you want to take off? Where can we? Uh, I don't need coaching right now, Mister. Uh, where? <laughs> I'm kidding. Where can we find out more about Chef Coaching? Is it you said is available online? Can Can mere mortals? Find yes. It? Uh, so uh, Institute of Lifestyle Medicine org. Um, when you click on there, you'll learn about the uh, programs that we have for mm-hmm. the clinicians, physicians, nurses, etc. And if you click through on, you'll find it pretty quickly. Something about cooking, chef coaching. Uh, people can sign up and uh, take a look at the materials to decide whether it works for your um, your career. Really good. Uh, it's been delightful having you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for clocking some miles with us today. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> My I wanna, pleasure. I want to give you the last word today. If there's a parting thought or a parting shot that you want to give to our listeners, coaches, and coach-adjacent types of humans, what would you have us? So um, speaking as a clinician, as a physician, and, and someone in the kind of the thought leadership of uh, the world of lifestyle medicine, um, I am. Uh, I wanted to express my gratitude for how the coaching community has really matured, is becoming a profession, and is providing the resources that we need to help our patients make, you know, adopt and sustain changes that are going to hopefully impact their lives. Um, this is nothing that I was taught in medical school. Right. Um, and the opportunity to work with coaches, I think, is a, is a rapidly expanding area. And I encourage the coaching community to stay close with with uh, kind of the formal uh, areas of medicine, because it, it's together that we're going to be able to redirect our, our health behaviors. Really great. So extraordinary. It's such a great conversation. Dr. Edward Phillips, you can find out more by going to, ready? First of all, get the podcast, Food We Need to Talk, and also check out Magic Pill. You can find them wherever podcasts are available or go to npr.org and you can find out both of those. Uh, check out the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine. Go to instituteoflifestylemedicine.org and find out more not only about Dr. Uh, Phillips and his work, but also the chef coaching model and the chef coaching uh, faculty get that worked out. Anything else that we should do? Oh, we should get the book. The book is Organize Your Emotions, Optimize Your Life. With, and it's written by Margaret Moore and Dr. Eddie Phillips. Yeah. All right. Uh, any, and then you, of course, we can find at thedreammason.com and me, you can find here each and every week talking with people about the cutting edge of coaching or just people you need to know about right here on The Coaching Show. I thank you, dear listener, for your time today and we will talk to you next week thank you so much thank you thank you that's it for today's episode thanks for listening to the coaching show we will talk to you next week